Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Grow in Knowledge podcast. I am Misty Umholtz, and my goal is 2 Peter 3.18, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, because whatever we apply ourselves to in life is what we will become better and stronger in. This is true for anything in life, and it certainly applies to the Bible, our faith, and spiritual matters. May you be blessed and challenged as you listen. Hello, everyone. Today, we get to talk about the Holy Spirit. He can be a little mystical in a Christian's thoughts and ideas about him, maybe because he's also called the Holy Ghost. But he is one-third of the Trinity. He has been left out a lot, maybe out of confusion or skepticism or fear or ignorance. Let us remember, Jesus is the only part of God that had a human body. The Bible says both God and the Holy Spirit are a spirit. So let us not shy away from all the Holy Spirit has to offer in our lives simply because he is a spirit. The Trinity of God is never going to force themselves upon us. They always give us a choice in everything. We can refuse him altogether, or we can let a little bit of him into us and our lives. Or we can surrender and allow all of God, all he is, and all he gives to us to come in and fill us up completely. What we will find in all parts of God is only good. He is only good towards us, in us, and then he flows through us, affecting everything and everyone around us. This is why the gospel is called the good news, and the Holy Spirit plays a part in bringing all of the goodness of God into our lives if we let him. So let's learn about who the Holy Spirit is. Roles of the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus tell us about the Holy Spirit found in John 16, 7 through 9? But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Skip down to verse 13 through 15. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the father is mine. This is why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. This passage gives us a ton of information about the Holy Spirit. Let's start with number one. In Greek, advocate means an intercessor, consoler, or comforter. Jesus and the Holy Spirit share a couple of these roles. If you remember, Jesus is also our intercessor and advocate. This means we have two parts of the Trinity going to the Father on our behalf. This is good news for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Number two, notice this does not say the Holy Spirit comes to convict or condemn the righteous of their mistakes. Christians get a little confused about this point. The Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth and will guide us into all truth. What and who are the truth? The word of God and Jesus, which are synonymous. And what does the truth do? It exposes the darkness with light. So let's get this straight. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of one's sin. 
That sin is not believing in God. Then, once we are convicted of that one sin and become children of God, Jesus makes us into the righteousness of God. And then the Holy Spirit, who is gentle and kind by nature, leads and guides us into all truth. That is what will show us if anything is not right in our lives that we need to take care of. How do we know that he is kind? Because the Bible says it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. The Holy Spirit does not have a negative condemning ministry to believers. He has a positive ministry directing and pointing us into all truth. We should be giving and allowing the Holy Spirit access and freedom to do this in our lives on a daily basis. He will not force himself upon us. Number three, the Holy Spirit tells us the future. We need to take advantage of this role. It would behoove us to get in step, in line, in tune with what the Holy Spirit is saying so he can do this. First, we have to have a relationship with him. Second, we have to have spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. The Bible tells us that several times to have ears to hear. It doesn't say, listen up, since you all have ears. No, it is saying, have spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Hebrews 3, 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice. We always have a choice if we listen or not. We can hear what he is telling us or we cannot and go on our own way without his guidance and truth and secrets of the future. Galatians 5.25 Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every aspect of our lives. We need to pray for ourselves to have spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit is saying so he can lead us. We need to ask him to speak to us on specific matters and then listen to what he has to say. His voice will sound a lot like ours. It is not audible. It will come through our thoughts. Our thoughts come from three places, ourselves, the enemy, or God. We need to learn to discern. We weigh our thoughts. Do they line up with scripture? Do they bring honor to God and others? Do they bring peace? The enemy will never speak anything along those lines. If he uses scripture, it will be to condemn us, not to help us. Lastly, number four, Jesus says the Holy Spirit will bring him glory. So Jesus came to bring his heavenly father glory. The Holy Spirit has come to give Jesus glory, which makes sense to point us to Jesus, to convict the world of its one sin in not believing in God. Look at what else Jesus said the Holy Spirit will do. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Jesus repeats that the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. This is a good reason to be in tune with him. He cannot teach us if we are not listening to him looking to him and relying on him. He can also bring to our remembrance the word of God, all that we have learned, but we have to be in the word to be reminded of what it says. Why else did God give us the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. 
And now you Gentiles, that's us, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. The Holy Spirit was given to us as a promise for our guarantee of our inheritance from God. That's a mouthful. Another thing Jesus says about him, and this is one of my favorite parts. It gets interesting. John seven thirty-seven through 39. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Let's think about water for a moment. What does water provide? Well, Jesus tells us in John 6, 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Water is necessary for life. No water, no life. This is true for every living organism on the planet. Even the human body is made up of mostly water, life. Listen to what Jesus says about this water in John 4, 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Listen to all these references to water in the Psalms. Psalms 1, 3. The righteous shall be like a tree planted by, I lost it, the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also will not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Psalm 65, 9, the river of God is full of water. Psalms 36, 7, how precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures, for with you is the fountain of life. I love that. God gives us drink from the river of his pleasures, for with him is the fountain of life. Let's look at how the Spirit gives us life. Romans 8, 10, and 11. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. When we talked last time about Jesus living in us, it's really his spirit, the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is living in our spirit. 
Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of God. He dwells in us through his spirit. It's the Holy Spirit residing in us, but the two of them are one. They are all a part of the Trinity. Where exactly does the Holy Spirit reside in our spirit? John seven thirty eight. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Now in the King James Version, it says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And that is what was meant when it was written in Greek. We see this again in Proverbs twenty twenty seven. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Again, that is meant to be belly in Greek, searching all the inner depths of his belly. And then in the NIV version of Proverbs twenty twenty seven, it puts it like this. The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being. So our inmost being is located in our belly, where the spirit of a man and the Holy Spirit reside. This is why even the world says to be led by your gut, or all health begins in your gut. They even recognize the truth of this fact, even if they don't know where the idea came from. We do. Because all men have a spirit, but only Christians have the spirit of God in our belly. How does the Holy Spirit lead us today? Romans 8, 4 through 6. We no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. This is how God leads us, by peace. We are led by peace, not fear. That is the enemy's MO, fear. And that is how much of the world operates. They are driven by a spirit of fear. The spirit is contrary to the things and thinking and ways of this world. The Holy Spirit tells us the future. He leads us by peace, even if it doesn't make sense to those around us. We follow his leading, not the world's or other people's opinions, no matter how well-meaning they are. They certainly don't know the future. The Bible says, let every man be a liar, but God be true. Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. This does not say all who are children of God are led by the Spirit of God. So let me read it again. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. We have a choice to be led by Him and follow Him or not. Galatians five sixteen and 17. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your own good intentions. Skip down to verse 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we are led by the Spirit, 
We have open spiritual ears to hear the Spirit, and we are dependent on the lifeline of water from the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are natural byproducts that He produces in us. But fruit does not appear without a planting of the seed in soft, good soil, and the cultivating and nurturing of that growth with the right ingredients. After a plant grows, it is natural to see fruit coming from the stems. The same is true for us. We plant the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God, in the soft, good soil of our hearts and cultivate it, feed it, nourish it, give it water necessary to grow. Then we see the Spirit produce the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. But we can't plant tomato seeds and expect to get pumpkins. In the same way, we can't plant the seeds of this world and expect to get the fruits of the Spirit. It won't work. The Bible makes it crystal clear that the seeds of this, what the seeds of this world are in the same passage of scripture in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Does this mean we cannot be forgiven? Absolutely not. It is saying this lifestyle is not of the Spirit. It is not the kind of life children of God live. This is not what is going to produce the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our lives. After David sinned by committing murder and adultery, he says in Psalms 51, 11, Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Let's not get confused about this verse. This was under the old covenant. Jesus had not come yet. They did not have the Spirit of God living in them because they had not been made righteous yet by the blood and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus had not come and gone to send the Holy Spirit like we read in the first passage today. God was on the outside of them. They had to still offer sacrifices for their sins. They were not made in right standing with God yet. God does not take his Holy Spirit away from us now that we are under the new covenant because the Holy Spirit resides inside of us. I'm going to end here today so that it doesn't get too long again. As I wrap up, I leave you with this prayer from 2 Thessalonians 1.11. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. And that's what we'll talk about in part two, the power available to us in the Holy Spirit. May you receive all that God is, all that he has, and all that he gives to you. In Jesus' name, amen.